0: from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. We encourage you to find uh, the scripture uh, if, if you brought a Bible or a Bible app, or if you want to use a pew Bible. will also be projected behind me. We're going to be reading in the ESV, though. And um, just so you know, we've been working through the Gospel according to Mark, and uh, last week we read the, the Palm uh, Sunday narrative, as it was Palm Sunday, and... Um, we, we read uh, the whole Passion narrative on Good Friday, but we are skipping forward to the resurrection account. Um, but don't worry, uh, for those of you who've been keeping track, we will circle back to the stories that, um, that, that we skipped over in getting to uh, the resurrection story here on Easter. So again, today's scripture is Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Uh, we we uh, invite you to follow along as I read it. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Um, Today's message is called Unrolling Stones. And this is a very familiar story, isn't it? Uh, And it's so familiar that, you know, we read it every year. And I'm sure for basically all of us, this is not new information. And the thing with familiar stories is that no matter how beloved the story is, there are two dangers with hearing a story again and again and again. One is that uh, the story becomes fixed, in your mind. You want it to be told in a particular way and only that way. And another thing that happens is that we start to get contempt for the story. So let me explain. Uh, One of my favorite stories uh, comes from the movie, the Disney movie, Beauty and the Beast. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I have like uh, two girls, uh, but I I tend to use a lot of Disney examples. Last week, in fact, we talked about uh, Disney princess stories and I heard from some people, they're like, Pastor Steve, you're ruining Disney movies for me. Because we talked about how sexist some of those old stories were, and they are, by the way. But rest assured, well, I will try not to ruin Disney movies for you this week. It might still happen, but I will try not to. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney movie. I love it. I loved it so much uh, that I own it on like every platform available, I, I have it on VHS. For those of you who are old enough to know what that is, some of you are like, what is VHS? Um, I have it on DVD and Blu-ray, and I've seen it in every form that I could too. I've seen like the original animated movie. um, And then when I was in college, I was so excited to see it uh, uh, as a musical. And then of course, like about a year ago, uh, it came out as a live action movie where uh, Hermione Granger was playing Belle. (laughs) But man, Belle was my girl. You know, I mean, it, I know it sounds kind of weird, but like when I was in college, man, like, like I used to have debates with my friends about who were the greatest Disney princesses. I'm like, Belle. And you guys are crazy if you think it's anyone else. I don't think I had like a crush on Belle because she was an animated character and that's weird. But she was my girl, man. Belle was awesome, you know? And you can't convince me otherwise. Beauty and the Beast is the greatest Disney movie of all time. You know, if you guys disagree, you're wrong. But, anyways, um, that, that's not what we're here about. But this is the thing. Is that every time I see the story, um, it, it, it's weird, because I was so excited in college to see the musical, because, man, I had worn out my VHS. I had seen it so many times. And I was excited to see the musical, but a couple things happened. When I was watching it, I realized that they changed something, right? And every time they changed something or they interpreted a scene a little bit different than the way I saw it I was like, no, no, you're doing it wrong. That's not how it is. That's not how Gaston is supposed to be like, ooh, you got this wrong. You know, and I found myself, like, getting, like, agitated by it, right? And another thing also happened was, you know, even though I was excited going into it, but I found that at some points I was kind of bored, because I was like, oh, I already know this. There's some scenes that they recreated so faithfully that when it came around, I was like, I already know what's going to happen. You know, Jesus is going to die, but he's not really dead. You know, I already know all this stuff, you know? And so there's this weird thing. With familiarity comes contempt. And this is one of the dangers with all of the Bible stories, the really famous ones that we hear. You hear them so many times, they stop having power for you. Well, one thing is that they can become fixed in your mind. You want them told in a certain way, or you think they mean one thing. And if somebody tells you, hey, actually, there's some other shapes of meaning, we're like, uh-uh. no, no, there's not. And also, you know, we, we just kind of tune out those stories. We don't get that excited about Easter. We're like, oh, Easter again. Maybe, you know, we get excited about the eggs and dressing up and seeing our friends, you know, uh, you know seeing the baptisms and stuff. Like, oh, that's cool. I love that stuff. But the actual story, maybe it doesn't mean as much to me. And I think there's something incredibly sad about that. Just think about what the story Is, is a man... Son of God literally raises from the dead. That's amazing. That doesn't happen every day. It has changed human history. Right? That God has the power to raise someone from the dead and he did it during human history. It is an amazing thing. And friends, what I want to invite us to do is to read this story to see where that story intersects with us today. And I want to encourage you, urge you, not to let the contempt take over, because it's going to be there. Every time you hear these well-worn stories, it's going to be there. You're going to be like, ah, I already you know this one. But friends, are you experiencing resurrection power in your life today? That's the question. Whether you know the story intellectually is one thing, but it's kind of irrelevant to whether or not you are actually being brought to life. So let's take a look at the story when the Sabbath was passed Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him and very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb there was a really really big stone there right and they put it there on purpose because they didn't want anyone getting in. They didn't want anyone stealing the body. They didn't want any disciples going in and stealing the body and claiming that he had rose again, right, so there's a giant stone there. And so, you know, as they were going there, they're like, oh, hey, we didn't really think this through. You know, we want to anoint his body, but that means we need to go into the tomb. How are we gonna get into the tomb? I wonder if they were even talking amongst themselves, like, should we just turn back? Like, yo, let's just go and see, right? Um, I don't think they said, yo, but that's my interpretation. And they get there, and looking up, they saw, surprise, surprise, that giant stone had been rolled back. And it tells us it was very large. It was a big stone. It was an immovable stone. There are a lot of impossible things that happen in this story. This is one of them. Yeah, we kind of jump ahead to the big one. You know, dead guy rising from the dead. being. You know, uh, risen, that, that he has life again. That's amazing. This is also amazing. A giant stone that people could not move somehow got moved. And I wonder, friends, um, if there are giant stones in your life, there are things that seem like they cannot move. Well, a dead person, that would definitely be the equivalent to a giant stone, even more so. But are there things that are dead in your life that seem seemingly immovable that perhaps God could actually move? And this is the thing with giant stones, is that some stones, they need to start moving. Right? And maybe there are some things in your life that are non you know, There are ways that you want to experience God in the hope of Jesus Christ. You want to actually believe that God is real, and that he has power and he loves you, and some of us we really struggle with that. We struggle with doubt, even for some of us who've been to church for many, many years. And we hear stories like this, and you're like, "Okay, that's nice, but is it just a story? Come on, come on. Hey, between you and me, this is what you might say to me <laughs> if you just got me alone. We're having a cup of coffee, or we're having a beer together." And, and we're just like, hey, come on, just, just level with me. Like, seriously, do you really believe this? Do you really believe a dead guy can come back to life? Do you really believe that happened in human history? And That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. And then we think, well, do I just have to stretch my belief? I, 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 I'm just being honest. I have a really hard time believing that. Do I need to just, you know, just... Go all in with this blind faith and just be like, "Oh yeah, that happened." Intellectually, I have problems with it, but I'm just going to throw away my brain. Friends, let me tell you, I don't think God wants us to throw away our brains. And one of the amazing things about this story is that the disciples, you know, they had just as much disbelief as the rest of them. And you know, the disciples went from despondent um, followers of a Messiah that. In, in many ways, looks like he failed. Fizzled out, like he failed, you know. He was executed, right? Friends, Jesus was not the first person who claimed to be the Messiah. Right? It's very easy to stop a, a rebellion, you know, from the Roman point of view. You just kill the leader, right? And when you kill the leader, the followers they stop going. It happens every time, especially if that person is like, "Oh yeah, I'm the Messiah and I'm going to reign forever." They're like, "No, you're not." <laughs> okay, they didn't have guns back then, but right, spear, you know, cross no more leader. There's your would-be Messiah. He's not really, right? And then the, the the followers are like, oh, that's a bummer. And then they go their separate way. Happens every time, except in this case. Because what happened was, the disciples started saying these crazy things. They started saying, we actually saw Jesus. He rose again. And they were so gung-ho about this that um According to tradition and all the sources that we have, historians tell us that um, just about every disciple, with maybe the exception of one, was murdered for their faith. They were martyrs. How far would you go for a lie? How far would the disciples go for a lie? You know, at what point are they like about to, you know, execute the disciple? And they're like, oh, just kidding, just kidding. Don't kill me, seriously. Okay, we had a good run, but no, he didn't really resurrect. But they're like, no, go ahead and kill me, because I know exactly what is going to happen to me. I don't fear death anymore. It's an amazing power that the disciples were able to experience. And friends, this is the thing, is that there are two powers that are being pitted against each other in this story, death and life. And make no mistake, death has power, doesn't it? Oh my gosh, like how many things are we motivated by the fear of death? You know, that's why we go to the gym. That's why we want to make so much money. That's why we want to be safe, and safety is such a huge deal for all of us. Because we fear death, and rightly so. Everyone loses the pedal with death. It's stronger than It's more powerful than Right? And there is a death power in this world. You know, I I think that there are a lot of things that are on the continuum of death power. Fear, being maybe paramount. How many things are we just afraid of? We're afraid to really live because of the fear of death and because of a lot of other fears. You know, you fear that somebody could hurt you or harm you. Why do you fear that? Because ultimately you fear death. There is power to it. And this is the thing, is that there are some things that are not moving, And that there are other powers that are already moving, right? We talked about a a stone that can't be moved because it's at rest and it's too big and heavy, the one that was in front of Jesus' grave. But maybe there are stones in your life that are rolling downhill and you can't stop it. Maybe there's a stone of anxiety or there's a stone of depression. There's a stone of fear in your life and you cannot stop it. How do you know this? Because you've tried. How many of you, when you're freaking out, when when you're worried, when you're anxious, when you're stressed out, do you want to say to yourself, like, stop it? Maybe someone looks at you and you're shaking and you're like, like just freaking out. And they're like, no, man, don't worry. Stop worrying. Don't stress out. Does that ever work? Are you ever like, oh, thanks. I never thought of that. (laughs) Great. Like, oh, I'm just going to stop worrying. I'm just going to stop stressing. Or how many of us when we're being honest we look at the person and we say I can't help it. I can't stop it. There is a power that is rolling down him, And you cannot stop it. Friends, this is an interesting thing. Why is it that Jesus took so long to raise from the dead. Some of y'all were here on Friday. We did the Good Friday thing. It was a whole day, day and a half that passed before Jesus rose again. Why was that important? And why was it that in every story that you see of the resurrection, um, usually there's this great disbelief and oftentimes they have to go back to the, the grave several times. You know, they go there and they're like, hey, where is he? You know, and then someone else goes there. They see an angel. Oh, he's not here. And then someone comes back, and then they see Jesus, and they think he's a gardener. Maybe some of the disciples they left, and then they don't see him till later when they're in that um, that that (laughs) room and and they're behind locked doors. And then Jesus comes and appears. But for many of these stories, there is a pause. There is a pause in between these two dramatic events. And let me tell you, we do not like the pause. The pause drives us crazy. Yeah, the death thing, that's important. But we don't want to linger there. You know, friends, if I had my choice, if there was a disappointment in my life, I want to pick myself up from that disappointment right away. You know, I don't want to learn my lesson. I don't want to sit there and think about it, right? I just want to go on to the next thing. Maybe some of you experienced that in life. You know, I I don't want to call anyone out, sorry if this hits too close to home, but I know some people who are serial daters. You know, you break up with someone and then immediately you find someone else. (laughs) Why? Because breakups are painful, it makes sense. You don't want to sit there in that emptiness of not having that other person so you jump to someone else right away. And sometimes if you have a really good friend in your life, they even tell you, they're like, what the heck are you doing? You know, this person is wrong for you. And you're like, no, they're not, they're great, they're perfect. And, and then your friend is like, yo, are you just dating to date? Is it because you're just lonely and you don't want to be single that you jump to this next relationship? And of course, you're not going to admit that, right? But maybe there's some truth to that. We hate the pause. But friends, there's something very holy about the pause. Why? Because those rocks that are rolling downhill... Need to stop first before Jesus can roll away that rock and maybe roll a new thing. <laughs> Those rocks that are already moving they need to stop. And friends, this is what we're not very good at. Some of us are worry, our anxiety, our doubts, our fear. All of these things, man, there is a power to it. It is that boulder rolling downhill. You cannot stop it. And in some ways, friends, it is keeping us from seeing what otherwise might be obvious. What is obvious? God is here. God is alive. Right, Friends, do you ever think about this crazy fact? That If this is true, okay, if this is true, and maybe for some of us, you've experienced this, but you're not experiencing it now. So you agree with me because you've experienced it before. You have experienced the power of God. There was a time where your heart was touched and moved. You knew God was real, but you're not experiencing that now. Then my question is, where did God go? Did God go away? Is God far away? Did God go back up in heaven? No. This is one of the realities of the cross. We talked about this on Friday. We had this whole veil tearing thing that that Eric mentioned at the top of the worship. And the whole idea about that is there is nothing now that separates us from the presence of God. We can experience the Holy Spirit. We can experience God now and in every moment. When you are worrying and stressing out, and maybe there is something really, really painful that's going on in your life. Your boss is yelling at you. Or you're in a very, very unpleasant situation. And you got all that worry and stress. And ah, 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 ah. guess what, friends? God is right there. He's right there. But this is the thing that rock is rolling, and it needs to stop, it needs to pause. You guys remember the story with Elijah? The story with Elijah is that there were all these crazy things going on. There were earthquakes and a mighty violent wind. And the scripture tells us God was not in those things. But when Elijah just strolled out on the mountain, and he came out because God told him to, and he was just still, the scripture tells us that he experienced God as a gentle whisper, a still, small voice, as it's called in some translations. Why? Friends, the winds, the violence of your emotions and your thoughts, those things get in the way from us being able to sense and know that God is there. Yeah, we want to fast forward to the celebration stuff. You know, he is risen indeed! Yay! It feels so good. It feels so good, right? But the truth is, and many of us, by not pausing, we actually don't experience it at all. We just move on. Easter is a nice time to see friends and family. Easter is a nice time to eat ham. I guess that's what people do on Easter. You know, you get some eggs and candy, and you move on. There's no power of resurrection there. And uh, Eric was mentioning this as the praise team was gathering and praying. He's like, what is different about Easter than any other day? Yeah, there's a special day when we remember that Christ is risen. But Christ is risen every day. Every Sunday is, in a way, Easter. By the way, did you know that's why we worship on, on Sunday? It's a crazy thing. The, the Jewish people, <laughs> they would always worship on what day? The Sabbath, Shabbat. It means Saturday. Right? Literally, Shabbat means Saturday. They would always worship on Saturday. And this is something that researchers know from a very, very early time. Just like that, overnight, they switched their worship to Sunday. This is something that people made up centuries later. It was like within a few years. They switched the worship to Sunday. Why? Because they're like, we never want to forget things. We need to remember Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. We are different because of Sunday. Sunday is what makes us different. And we need to bring Sunday into the rest of our lives. Friends, let me tell you, you can experience the power of God. It's not always going to be with trumpets. It's not always going to be with great emotions and fanfare. But that certain knowledge that a living God is with you. Sometimes that comes when you pause and you be fully present. You bring all that you are, all of your disappointments, all of your anxiety and mental illness, all of your fears, all of your doubts, you bring it all and you say, God, this is who I am. This is who I am. you friends no matter what is going on in your life, God can bring those things to new life. Some of those things need to die first, but God can bring those things to new life. I've been experiencing that in my life. You know, I I have mentioned, friends, that I've struggled with um, mental illness, with depression, clinical depression, for most of my adult life. I, I've had a drinking problem. I'm a very anxious and fearful person, naturally. It's something that affects my family. You, know? you, you can ask them. I, <laughs> okay, maybe don't ask the kids. And like, Who are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> but I mean, if Aaron's cool with it, you, you can talk to her about it. It's true. You know. And sometimes I would get up here every Easter and talk about this. And I remember about three years ago. I came back from Easter, and it was one of the first times we had, like, a huge um, membership, like, baptism thing. I think that year we had, like, 13 people who got um, either baptized or became members. And it was, like, the first time in a long time that that had happened. And I was feeling a high. Like, like I remember my wife and I were like, man, that service was awesome. And we felt so good. And then a funny thing happened. Monday happened. And, and I was just so drained, and I had no energy. I couldn't get excited or up about anything. And for about the next week, I had no energy. I'm like, okay, energy will come back. Just get some rest, Steve. I watched some movies. I played some video games. You know, like, oh, maybe that'll make me excited. It didn't make me excited. No energy came back. And I started talking to Erin about it. I was like, man, there's something wrong. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. So she suggested that I go on a personal retreat, and I did. And One of the things that came out of that personal retreat, well... <laughs> First of all, I went there thinking like, okay, I'm gonna rejuvenate my soul, I'm gonna figure out what's wrong with me, and I'm gonna plan sermons for the next six months, right? And I got there immediately and just tried to plan the sermons. What was that, friends? Because I'll tell you, the first half of that <laughs> retreat was a wash, why? Because the boulder was still rolling downhill. The way that I did things didn't change. I went, with, went in with the same anxiety because I was doing the same things, right? This usually gets attributed to Albert Einstein. um, There's this quote that says, uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same things but expecting different results, right? Friends, you're not gonna change. Nothing's gonna change if you keep doing the same things you've always done. You keep doing the anxious things you've always done. You're like, why am I so anxious? If you're doing the same thing. Nothing's changed. And just this little knowledge that, by the way, you've known this since you were a kid, that Jesus rose from the dead. It doesn't change him. But this is what changed for me. At some point, I realized, okay, retreat's half over. I'm not going to plan sermons for the next six months. So I gave up. I'm like, okay, let's give up on that. But what do I really need? What I really need is I need to reconnect with the power of God. So all I did was, I just went for a walk. Because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't really feel like reading the Bible. So I just went for a walk. I just walked up and down that beach. It was kind of nice. I was on a beach. (laughs) It was uh, on Lake Huron. I was just walking around the beach. And I don't know what it was, friend. But in that moment, like I'm telling you, it wasn't a lightning bolt. But I just started to calm down. You're like, oh, that's just natural. If you walk on a beach, you'll calm down. (laughs) But why don't we do that more? Because in that moment, friends, I realized that spiritual and physical, there's no separation. (laughs) And in that moment when I could just be still for a moment, there was something very sacred about that. I just looked out at the water. And I remember looking at that water and seeing how deep it was in certain parts. Lake Huron, so the shallow parts are brown and nasty. (laughs) But the deep parts were this very dark blue. It almost looked black. I was looking out at that water, and I was like, man, look how deep that water is. My soul is not very deep. I need to get deeper. And I remember hearing that there are people, these saints, just throughout the years, that they would do these things called spiritual disciplines. They would pray. They, they would be silent. I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I committed that day to spend 30 minutes in silence every day. I really didn't know what I was doing. And that has changed my life. And one of the things, friends, is I thought I could hack my way through Christianity. Like, seriously, I wouldn't have told anyone this because it sounds like super unspiritual. But when I heard about other people who, like, spent hours in prayer, like, number one, I was like, Okay, good for you. Like, you're so spiritual, you think you're better than me. Like, who are you to judge me? You know, I'd had thoughts like that because I felt insecure. But there was a part of me that's like, oh, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do what they're doing. And what I found was what I was doing was leaving me really tired and anxious, and leaving me really depressed. And I realized that. If I'm going to start getting different things in my life, I have to start doing different things. And the funny thing is, the thing I needed to do was actually the opposite of doing. I needed to stop doing, I needed to interrupt that rolling boulder that's just, it just keeps going and it keeps flattening me. And it keeps flattening all the things in my life that I tried to do. I can't overcome it. And so I stopped trying. And instead, what I learned to do in that 30 minutes is surrender. Friends, if you want to know more about how to do that, come talk to me sometime. But in that time, I have learned to encounter the risen Christ. In that moment, and in every moment, there is the possibility of resurrection. This is what we believe about Easter Sunday. The disciples, they didn't believe it. They they, they were like flabbergasted, but they saw this young man sitting on the right side of this empty tomb. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They all had a hard time believing it. But when they experienced that resurrection power, when they knew it, they knew it. Their lives were never the same. You can experience that power now. You can experience that power today. You don't need to do it at church. I mean, church is nice. There's a reason why we come together as a community to remind ourselves of these things. But friends, that power is available to you now. One of the things about the Rolling Stone, friends, (laughs) the Rolling Stone lies to you, and it thinks that it's always judging and evaluating and critiquing. That's the stuff that anxiety is made out of, isn't it? It's always the experience you're going through. Oh, that experience isn't good enough. Mm, I'm not doing well enough in that class. Oh, look at everyone else. They're doing so great. That spirit of comparison and critique is what is killing you. And we bring that spirit of comparison and critique into our quiet times. How do I know this? Because when we come out of it, we're like, oh, that quiet time wasn't good enough. <laughs> I didn't get anything out of it. I didn't read the Bible well enough. We got to stop it. You got to stop it. Instead, just let that time be whatever it is. Stop judging and critiquing, but just pause just pause, just stop, let it be what it is. It might actually kind of suck. In the beginning, you probably aren't gonna be good at it. That's not the point. The point is that rolling rock needs to come to a stop so that God can start bringing life to new things, and he will. It doesn't always have to be fireworks. It doesn't always have to be this amazing emotional experience. Sometimes all I get out of the time it's just rest. It's just a peace. And I come out of that time knowing I am not alone. And sometimes that doesn't happen every time. But consistently, I learn to pause say, Lord, I want to encounter you. I want to be here with you. And surprise, surprise, he shows up. He shows up, and it is different than what I thought it would be. It is infinitely better as well. Um I just want to give us a moment to pause. That just seems appropriate. Maybe, friends, we can just come with whatever you are experiencing now. And I want to encourage you, stop judging and critiquing how this is. Am I doing this right? Am I experiencing God? God, I didn't say anything. God didn't do anything. Friends, that spirit is the one that is crushing you. Can we just let go of that and just maybe take a deep breath? Just... Let's pause. Let's say you Have you seen that, that word in the Psalms? Scholars think it means it's a musical term for rest. In that period when you say say you're just supposed to say nothing at all. You're just supposed to pause. And usually when I read the Psalms, I just speed ahead to the next verse. And I do that in wine. And I do that as soon as I walk out of Sunday. I just speed ahead and I go back into that spirit of anxiety and fear. but maybe God is telling you right now to say that, to rest, to pause. I brought Jesus back from the dead. There is nothing in your life that is holy. Yes, if you keep on riding that rolling rock, You're going to keep on getting what you've always had. But if you would stop in humility and create space for my Holy Spirit, there is no telling what kind of new life can spring forth from your heart and soul. Will you pause? Will you listen? Will you let me be God? The resurrected God. Friends, we're going to go into our time of communion, and I'm going to ask uh, Yashras to come up and assist with uh, uh, the communion elements. And uh, in the United Methodist Church, which Living Grace Ministry is a part of, we practice what is called open communion. And what that means is that everyone is welcome to come to this table. Um, It doesn't matter if you're a member of this church or not, if you're baptized or not. Why? because we believe that this is a gift. It is not dependent on what you've done, but on what Christ has done. And so friends, um, this is a reenactment of the Last Supper, which is um, what happened before Jesus went to the cross. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, and those events would begin, that rolled into his suffering, his death, and eventual resurrection. He took the bread and he broke it. This is the body of Christ, which is broken for you. It's a little harder than the Hawaiian bread, sorry. And he did this with his friends and also with his enemies, with his betrayers. And towards the end of the meal, he took the cup. This is the cup of salvation for the new covenant. This is the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And whenever we have gathered, we have taken of these elements and we remember what Christ has done for us. So, friends, I want to pray for us that we can remember again in our hearts and our souls all that Christ has done for us. God, we thank you so much for the gifts of bread and cup that they may be to us the very body of And blood of Jesus. These symbols will live within us. That tells us of how much Jesus loved us. That He would break His body. That His blood would be shed for the forgiveness of us. If there is anything that separates us, any sin we've committed, or any good thing that we've omitted. Any way that we feel unworthy, may we know that because of what Christ has done, we are forgiven. And if we will confess our sins, we could receive that. So thank you, God, for this amazing gift that we can become part of Your body, because we are washed by Your blood.